Yo, what's up, everyone? World Cup's coming to Philly. <laughs> we just talked about you not having a corny intro. Here he comes with the most corny intro of all time. Dude, I'm excited. But yes, episode 38 of the podcast. We're back. Uh, it's been like, what, two weeks since we since we did the last one. So getting on a more regular rhythm again. We're getting back there. A lot of stuff yeah. happening. So Yeah. But most important, what are you wearing? I First, want, for, for those... I just want to say, we're recording this during the NBA Finals, too. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't really care about this Finals right now. It's how much we love this game. But uh, if, you, if you're not watching, just take a look. You got to – Chad just looks like a crazy hipster right now. It looks like one of those guys who should have, like, a thick mustache. I'm going through a phase. He's got, no, like, a five-panel hat yeah. on. No. Trendy. Uh, I am kind of matchy right now. I got my uh, black and white Juve kit that I picked up locally here in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Uh, I forget the name of the store, but yeah, I I, th- I think I've worn this before. It's we're to the point where I'm not sure uh, if I've worn yeah, a certain kit before yeah. or not. The talisman caps, always rocking talisman Su- caps. Support logo, yeah. The fre- the freshest hats. How about uh, talisman yeah. caps puts their money where their mouth is and supports the local grassroots podcast here? Mm. Yeah. I think, I think we need that. Yeah. Would love some support local gear in the back. <laughs> but yeah, I'm rocking my uh, Philadelphia Fury jersey. I might have worn this one or a different Fury jersey. But, yes, yeah, so when I played for the Fury, we just we had these jerseys. And I guess at the end, we were allowed to keep them. I, I don't know. It's got sponsored by HotelsVIP.com, number 15. It's, it's got a phone number on, on the sponsor, just in case <laughs> someone's running down the field. <laughs> hey, let me call this like, number. Let me grab this number real quick. Yeah. Uh, it's got the, the old school Fury logo, which is actually pretty fresh. Uh, yeah, it's it's all right, Hummel brand. So, uh, so yeah, so there's some some news that happened. So, real quick, the original idea of this episode was like to, we found some data on like the Premier League and some other stuff. Kind of wanted to to look at that and just like kind of like spitball ideas, like, hey, what does this trend mean to you? What are you seeing? Not not like looking at analytics but just kind of like relating it back to the game right like i have a heat map but kind of looking at heat maps what formations team teams like to play what that kind of means for their play style uh and then just like some tactical trends in the game right now uh yeah, talk- i just thought of this maybe in the future we bring out a tactics board and we put it right here it's not a bad idea but we we do call ourselves a, more, a podcast more of a visual <laughs> oh you mean like to just leave it here we're right here, and if we, if we're ever talking tactics, we can show it on the on the. Uh, Why didn't you? Because there's a lot of podcasts out there that wa- that watch other videos and react to them. Yeah, it's so not like, about it helps idea. to to view the video. Yeah. You know? Well, like I, like I don't, I I'm not sure. I think we get a decent amount of viewers on YouTube, but Just I think most idea. of them come Just through Spotify and Apple. But sounds like a good idea. And honestly, it would look kind of good if we just let like put it up on the yeah in the middle here yeah that's a good idea and then you know we'll do like a super quick recap of the the last four u.s national team games nothing like huge to talk about i don't think um they just picked the world cup cities today for 2026 we'll just kind of react to that real quick um and then talk about mls's new tv deal with with apple plus or tv or whatever it's called um so just like some some kind of quick hitters but like like i said like the last few we've kind of been reacting to things reacted to the champions league and to uh, the U S national team, whatever. So this is something we're just kind of like, it's not just a reaction. It's us interpreting and kind of dropping knowledge as I was, as I would call dropping knowledge. So you ready to get into it? Let's get into it. All right. So my thought originally is, and I'll post this uh, graphic when I can, I'll I'll post it on Twitter and, and other socials is the athletic put out an article. And basically what it was, was a heat map of all of the Premier League teams um, in possession. It's it's basically a heat map. It's Yeah, it's, it's more of like, so where the players, I don't know if you consider it a heat map, but their most common position, most common starting formation, and then the stronger the line is. So like, let's say you have two center backs. If there's a strong, like, thick line, it means they pass between each other a lot. Yeah. So there's, you know, the right back, like, 
So the, the right back to the right winger might have a strong line if they complete a lot of passes to each other. Um, so I, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to look and at if a player is used more than their circle is bigger. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and what green or and something. And if they're, and if they're used less, mm-hmm. then their circle is smaller and red. Like Burnley, for example, their forwards, like, yeah, red. Red means possession, red possession value low to high. So not that that matters, but like what I'm saying is we're going to interpret this and just kind of talk about tactics and see like, does it fit what the narrative is and what we're talking about? So, uh, you want to start with like Manchester City? Uh, did you send? Yeah, you sent that. Yep. So I have it up. So Manchester City, if if you're listening, you want to like check this out. We'll we'll post this on social, right? So you see they line up in a basically a four three three. Their wing backs aren't all that wide. They really don't have a ton of width on this field, and I think it's because you know sometimes their their fullbacks are inverted, sometimes they're a little bit wider. Sometimes their wingers are super wide. Sometimes the wingers come in. And what's interesting is like throughout the season, they played maybe Cancelo on the left with tuck in or Zinchenko on the left with tuck in. Then other times it was Walker or Cancelo on the right would also tuck in. So there was normally like a, a fullback that would not be as tucked in, not be as inverted, but it was almost always bounced. And it's almost like you think Pep, maybe he switched it up. Like in football, they say Bill Belichick in garbage time would do something that he wouldn't normally do to skew the stats. So that way, when someone looked back and they didn't realize it was garbage time, they'd be like, Oh, the Patriots pass in this situation, which they would never do in a close game. So some of it is me thinking Pep like galaxy brain this and was like, let me invert the left fullback this time. So excuse the data and we get, you know, get some practice too. Uh, Yeah. Could be a theory, right? Potentially. But then we also see in this Manchester city data is there's one pivot, right? A single defensive midfielder, two higher midfielders, and then uh, two higher wingers off of that. Uh, what I think is definitely a trend is that th- what you would call the eights, right? The two attacking, more attacking-minded midfielders are pretty high up the field. The two wingers are higher than them. And like everybody says with City, they play a false nine. Their forward is not the highest player on the field, and he has the least amount of passes to him, and he's the only field player with a lower possession value. Yeah. What did you kind of what did you kind of take of that? Because I have some thoughts here. I want to see what you um it's kind of exactly what I would think from City. Like mm-hmm. uh definitely the most lines coming, like most lines mm-hmm. meaning passes coming yeah. from the goalie. Probably the thickest red circle of any goalie. Yeah. You know, because like he put he plays a lot of it, just a ton of passes. Mm-hmm. Uh like you said everybody's green except for like a light green. And that's the false nine. Like earlier in the season, they wouldn't like, I feel like whoever was playing the false nine for Torres was playing. The yeah, false nine earlier in the season. yeah. And dude, there would be games where I, I didn't even know he was playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my, my thought was, I kind of like worked this out in my head as I was texting a few people and working out. I really think that one, they didn't have a center forward. And I think the reason they bought Erling Holland was, you just have that kind of talent. You can't let him go. Like, like you just have to jump on it. But I don't think Pep uh, really values that at all. To me, it seems like a, a trend in the modern game because you see other teams do it as well, where th- they just play an extra player. So a Phil Foden, if he's playing in the false nine, it's not necessarily that Phil Foden's so good as a false nine. It's that he can take up that position when necessary, and you get an extra ball-playing midfielder on the field, an extra creative body like a guy who can retain possession, a guy who's cleaner in possession, can dribble, take guys on, dangerous in those kind of areas. And then if he's got to rotate out to a wider position or a center midfield position, he can. Someone like Kevin De Bruyne can take up that position. He's not going to body up a center back and take a hold of the ball. But if if you think of where the nine normally goes, right, a a traditional nine or even like a semi-traditional nine is bodying up against the center back and you're playing a ball into his feet. Well, that's not really a dangerous area because – that's a tough ball to keep. Best case scenario is he takes a touch, he holds it up for a few seconds, and he lays it off. Well, teams, when they're trying to break pressure or when they're trying to break teams down, they're not trying to go through the middle, through those center backs anyway. So it's almost like, hey, we're going to concede that area of the field and just get an extra useful body there. And you Yeah, know, another thing that would be kind of cool to look at this is like see, where the, see what parts of the field their goals come from, mm-hmm. like most of their goals come from. Yeah. But – the reason they signed Holland, like you can't have the same 
play style, you can't consistently play the same way, f- like, forever, you know? Yeah. Like, I, maybe what City's doing right now would get a, get a little dry. I mean, mm-hmm. like, Liverpool ended up catching up to him. Liverpool beat him once, mm-hmm. right? And then tied him twice. It's not – yeah, but they haven't been doing this for or years. I, I mean, they had, like, Aguero – as they're like kind of out and out forward. Like it's not like they've been playing with a false nine forever. Yeah. Guerrero hasn't played for a few years though. I'm just saying like, yeah, with Holland, like you, you, you're, they're adapting. Yeah. And I got you. I mean, Pep play, has played with Lewandowski as a, as a traditional nine, but he's also played with Messi or David Villa or whoever as like a non-traditional nine at, at Barcelona. So I think one, it fits the, the play style, the personnel, but it's also, you get, just ballers on the field. And then when you have a guy like Fernand Torres, Phil Foden, not as much, but you get these like field stretching guys who maybe are in that like area where a number nine would be. And they run out of it to open up space for the actual attacking creative players. Uh, but to me, it, it seems like a, I wouldn't call it a trend because not everyone's going to replicate what Manchester city does, but it's players that take can take up certain positions rather than play certain positions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I thought the that Man City thing was the most the one that stood out the most because I think it really shows like if there's a team that's going to be on the forefront of it, it's going to be a Guardiola team, and like these pa- the passes into the striker aren't what's going to keep you possession. Like I think growing up, a lot of people I, I feel like told us or TV commentators that like yeah we need our big forward to hold up possession. It's like do you really? Because now you see all these pressing teams and these like the RB Leipzig's and Salzburg's and whatever of the world where they don't, they don't play it to the nine to hold possession. They play it to a, a guy running in a more dangerous area in behind to get that ball. Uh, yeah. I would have thought from this graphic too, that, that, that these players would be farther up the, the pitch too. Mm-hmm. you know, like I don't think, yeah, I think attacking that's players touch the ball that close to the halfway line as much as they yeah. do. And cause they go through parts of the game where they have the other team just deep in their end. Yeah, I think it, it might be more like a, an average starting position, like where they start their possessions. Gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, pretty much everybody's near the halfway line. Um, Bro, it's crazy because if you just zoom out on this graphic, like you can pick out the city one because it's just more yeah, all green. Than- yeah, the Chelsea one's pretty obvious too. But we'll get to that. But going off of this, right, so we talked about the, the nine. We talked a bit about inverted fullbacks, which – I love inverted fullbacks. Um, what do you think about the the fact that they don't really play with a true number 10, right? Kevin De Bruyne has all the skills of an attacking midfielder, but he doesn't play as a 10. He doesn't play underneath a big number nine. And a lot of teams go with this like single defensive midfielder to kind of more box to box. To me, like I was talking with uh, talking about him, a guy I work with, he's Italian. And like, he always talks about like the number 10. There used to be a number 10 for Juventus and number like a true number 10. Have we seen a death to the number 10? Do we just not develop them? Are they not around? I can't say, I can't say like there's a death mm-hmm. to number 10, but I always thought the number 10 works best off like a target forward. Yeah. Like the number 10 is kind of like the number 10 came from a 442 with a big guy, small guy, you know? Yeah. Second like, striker. Big, yeah. Big guy, small second guy, like... striker. Then the, then the number 10 became. Uh, more creative and like more of a midfield presence and now we're seeing one defensive mid two eights and we see this with real all the time like one of those eights plays mostly on the left one of those eights plays mostly on the right which now that i watch it more i I like that idea because like sometimes when i play midfield i'm like someone will ask me like what side do you want i'm like uh whatever side we end up on but i kind of (laughs) like i kind of like when teams play like a player solely on the left center midfield side and solely on the right. So you're but, KD, at- but KDB like goes through games where like he'll just yeah. he'll just try and find areas out wide yeah. to come get the ball so you, either side. You're trying to get Greg Berhalter to call you up so you could play that Weston McKinney wide wide center midfielder role. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I I think like going back to what we were talking about, it's not so much like the number ten skill set is still there, but they're asked to do different things, and it's more about taking up positions rather than playing the position. So if you could get two creative midfielders on the, on the field rather than one or like two, I'll say bodies that can drift wide or come inside rather than one. And I think there was also like a, a big four, two, three, one kind of trend 
yeah. maybe eight to ten years ago, and that's kind of died off a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. Teams don't really need to play two. They don't want to play two defensive mids anymore. They want to play one defensive mid. So yeah, that yeah. pushes the center midfield a little higher. And if you play like a ten and a number nine together, like traditional ten mm. and a number nine, they're kind of in the same line. Yeah, and what at least how they line up, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, um, like if there's no true defense uh, number tens anymore, to me it's players in in the half spaces, right? De Bruyne, like if you look at any kind of like heat map specifically of De Bruyne, like it's all right half space. That's where he he gets that drop pass, he stops it, and he whips in across right foot inside the right foot, you know, like that kind of dangerous area. So like. To me, it's not so much, hey, let's let De Bruyne be creative in this middle of the field. Let's let De Bruyne be creative where he's most dangerous. Same thing with Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? We kind of talked about him on the last podcast with Liverpool. And part of it was, like, could he play center midfield? And, like, you know, we, we chopped up the clip, posted on social media, like, whatever. Like, I, I don't value, like, someone on TikTok's, like, comments, like, opinions. They were, like, laughing at us. But, like, okay, he's basically playing center midfield, like, when it morphs into some kind of like attacking structure because he's in that right half space, similar to De Bruyne whipping in similar crosses. So instead of laughing at me for calling him a center midfielder, should I laugh at them for not recognizing that he's like basically like a version of Kevin De Bruyne in the same sense, like where they whip in crosses from, you know, it's just players able to take up positions in certain areas of the field. Mm, I agree. Um, But I also, I was like, you know what? Let me just look at it. The only two like true number tens I could think of, they don't even necessarily play number tens, but they uh, they have that skill set. I, I said Dybala and Jao Felix. Do you think any, anybody else? True number tens. Yeah, Dybala is one that comes to mind. Yeah. Jao Felix can like like can play the nine. Yeah, you know, like I'm so excited to see Jao Felix leave. I, I want him to go somewhere. Also, so, another but... another good one is James Madison. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like a just a true 10, you know, and like it's kind of how they play, like uh, Lester. Yeah, they play a six, eight, and a 10. So, is, is that, that funny? Is that it? It's just funny that like all of the guys, you know, James Madison, James Madison, no, yeah, he's he had a good end of the season. Too, I, so. I, I really couldn't think of that many other guys. I mean, I'm sure that I'm missing some, but uh, so for half specific guys who are. This also, like when we're talking about center midfielders, some of them could be eights that push into the half space or wingers that push into the half space. So in my mind, I was thinking of a guy like Pulisic for the U.S. He plays on the wing, but he's allowed to push into the half space and, you know, take up the position there. Let's like a guy like a left back, Anthony Robinson, bomb up the field. Uh, A guy like Havertz in the false nine sense where he's he doesn't have the skill set of a true center forward but he's silky he's clean on the ball he could take up those positions he could kind of rotate between like half space center forward other half space and like play in those spots and be dangerous from those spots does that make sense yeah uh i i american bias here but i put geo reina right if you if you were to think of a player who's great like in between like not quite a winger not quite a a number eight center midfielder not definitely not like a number 10 but like he belongs in the center of the park somewhere like Gio Reyna, right? Like what's he good at? He's really good at receiving the ball. He's really good at like driving forward at somebody. He's good at playing through balls, playing it wide. Like to me, like you create someone in a lab that could do that. It's him. I, it's like uh, the Hulk or something like created in a lab, like use Gio Reyna. Another obvious one is Mason Mount. He's literally the next person uh, on my list. Okay. Can you guess the next guy on my list? Nah. Not I'll give you a hint. He also plays in London. <laughs> uh, Donna. Superstar. Smith Rowe? Not nothing. <laughs> Superstar Smith Rowe. I'm You're sure. close. Uh, Odegaard. Uh, Odegaard. Odegaard yeah, in the half good. space. That's Mason Mount in the half. Mason Mount could play more of a traditional 10, but there was the one season where it was – I think it was Pool six first season. Sorry, I was watching England U21s today. So, like, that's why <laughs> Smith Rowe was just fresh in my mind. Yeah, I'm thinking more, uh, you know, Norway. Um, but, like, Pool six was, like, pretty much competing with Mason Mount for, like, the left wing spot the first year under Lampard. And I was like, Mason Mount, like, is good, but he's not a winger. 
And like at the time, I don't think he was like a true, uh, he wasn't a true 10 either. Cause those, remember those don't exist anymore. And uh, he's, so, in, he's in the middle. He's in the, he's a half space guy. He's, yeah. a, he's just a half space. And like, if you're playing a four, three, three, like, yeah, he could play center mid. Like that's a good spot for him. Or he could play as an inverted winger, all the same thing, right? A half space guy, inverted winger, uh, which is what he does, right? If Chelsea sets up in like a, like kind of like a three, four, three or a five, two, three, whatever, the two wingers in the front three tuck in. So you have like a Havertz is like a false nine and like a Pulisic and a Mount or something. And then you get the Marcos Alonso and the Reese James bombing forward. Mm-hmm. Nothing you want more than Marcos Alonso bombing forward. <laughs> and Odegaard, same thing. Arsenal, a little bit different. We'll talk about it. Actually, maybe you want to – we want to tr- uh, transition into Arsenal real quick. Yeah. Arsenal will set up in like a 4-2-3-1. But what happens is if you look on the heat map too, let me pull this up. Arsenal, a lot of times, they'll have their left back go forward and their right back stays. So, like, the Tomiyasu role, right? Tomiyasu was perfect at it. He's, like, a center back taking up the position as a right center back. So, they'll build up with three in the back. They have their two defensive midfielders, like a Partey and a, and a Jaka. Right, I'm a big Congo guy. And then you have someone bombing for, like, a Nuno Tavares. And is one of those players that takes up the left side. The, the, the defensive midfield. midfield. Yeah. yeah. So, it ends up being this, like, three, two – and then like a Tierney or a Tavares, half space guy, center forward, half space guy, Saka as the as the the right winger. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like a hybrid formation. Um, but yeah, you could see in Arsenal's shape that the right back is more withdrawn than the left back. Now sometimes that would switch. I think like Cedric would play a little bit higher, and they would play somebody else deeper. You know, parts of the thing. But look, they, they barely use their center forward at all. Dude, like, I think it's crap. because they had to play in Ketia for a chunk of the season. Yeah. And he's not a tr- he's not a traditional forward. What, what, what do you I'm, s- I'm saying like he he isn't uh like hold up guy. He's like like oh, he's yeah. taking up spaces, he's exploiting spaces. Well, this this these maps don't do forwards justice at all. Cause like no, but maybe do they deserve justice? They they put away the goals, but like maybe they <laughs> actually offer nothing in buildup. So like if if someone like Pep Guardiola is so val- like valuing build up so much, they offer absolutely nothing, right? Yeah. If you're forward well, listening to this, forward. I'm sorry, but like maybe you just offer nothing to help your team get out. Uh, and then you see the two higher forwards. Is that uh, uh, you know, Odegaard probably in the right half space there has a really strong passing value. He has a strong green dot, which is, means his passing value is pretty high. A lot of passes going out to probably Saka yeah. there on the right. Yeah, Saka's nice, man. Look at how they play out. It's every single time it's to the left. Yeah, it's like left center back in the defensive mid out to the left wing back. Isn't that Gabrielle? The left sided? Yeah. And White's on the right? Yeah, for the most part, like when they were full health, yeah. Yeah, Gabriel's class. Ben White gets no love out there. No, but that's also uh, a trend I see too. Is we we talked about the four two three one being a trend. Like when we were growing up, right? I'm sure we played for teams that just like four two three one was like the standard. Yeah. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about formations in a sec. Actually, I'm going to write this down because I want to talk about it more. But uh, formations like went from like a four four two to a four two three one. Like if you played a four two three one, you're like, yeah, you know ball. But like if you played a 442, you're like, nah, nah, you're old school. Uh so 4231 was like the thing. And now I think it died, but it's coming back to life as a hybrid formation kind of thing. One wing back goes high, the other tucks in. It's like a three, two, three, and then two defensive midfielders, and the one wing back goes all the way high. And you really using it as a double pivot just to get it to that those front five players, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So it's about time the four two three one came back. I actually think it's it, done right. It could be like pretty useful. That's why I was pretty interested in Arsenal as the season went on. Yeah. Uh, do I have anything else? Arsenal? No. Nah, who do we want to move on to next? Uh, Liverpool? Let's see what Liverpool's lineup is here. So we have you on Liverpool's. You see it? Mm-hmm. So pretty much what you would think, right? Their wingbacks get up the field a lot, but. Robertson's wider and Trent is closer to the half space. He's, he's pretty inverted. 
which like to keep laughing at me for calling him a center midfielder, right? You have a single pivot in Fabinho, who is pretty much there to protect the, the two center backs. Two center midfielders get slightly high, but not that high. And then you really see, like, if you're looking at like the Mane and Salah role, those guys bombing up the field and getting ahead of the number nine. And this is one of the best passing values we've seen from a nine, right? Yeah. Like that dot is stronger than the other dots, right? You could barely see Manchester City's number nine. Liverpool's, they add something because they're pretty much an extra. Actually, Manchester City's number nine is bigger than Liverpool's. Yeah, that's probably just because City keep the ball better, right? But like a guy like Firmino drops into the midfield, a guy like whether it's Mane, super good on the ball, Diaz, super good on the ball. So that's kind of no surprise to me. Um, but that really shows like everybody knows, oh, Liverpool play with inside forwards and it's Salah and it's Mane and they're running in behind. This data kind of shows us. You see how high Salah is. He didn't defend either. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he gets a position. doesn't mean defense. But they're, they use their outside backs like so yeah. much. Like that's like their main part of the attack. You know, mm-hmm. it's like most teams are – get to their playmakers it's like get it get it wide and then we attack well they are their playmakers but dude remember when greg berhalter said that our outside backs are superpowers people want to compare berhalter to pep guardiola we literally play like liverpool without the smash mouth same same attacking structure because if you look if you watch a liverpool game it's defensive midfielder fabinho with two number eights so like a Henderson and like a Keita or whoever else will play there. But they're never – those two uh, number eights aren't trying to really progress the ball. Like they're not trying to get the ball behind the opposition midfield line, if that makes sense. They're there to help swing it and help swing it. And it's Robertson, it's Alexander-Arnold, it's Salah. They're the ones doing like the attacking work. Does that make sense? So in qualifying – in World Cup qualifying, you had like Tyler Adams in the Fabinho role. And you had a guy like Musa and McKinney in more of those Liverpool eights, you know, Henderson, Navi Keita, who I, I can't think of anybody else. Tiago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why did I not think of Tiago? Yeah. So Musa's like a Tiago. He's like the American Tiago. Pretty, pretty good, like, comparison, right? Uh, so that means Weston McKinney's the uh, American Jordan Henderson. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Like, those center midfielders aren't, like, the line breakers. Like, Gio Reyna would not fit in Liverpool's center midfield. The I don't necessarily to agree with you saying that USA is like similar, that similar to Liverpool. Oh, yeah. They, they just play the same formation somewhat. Same attacking structure. Which, which player on the U.S., mostly during World Cup qualifying, took up a different position than Liverpool's players typically do? Anthony Robinson was up the field all the time. Just like... Uh, Robertson. Pulisic was in that. Pulisic's not getting in behind, right? That's why I said without the smash, the, what do they call it? Heavy metal football. So Pulisic's not a heavy metal guy. He's not Sadio Mane. He wants to come get the ball. You're making it sound like that. Ferreira is our watches what Klopp does and is trying to put it on to. No, 100%, I, I think, dude. 100%. I think Bernholzer's just looking at the team and seeing like how he can, how he, how he can make him. To be honest, if there's one the guy who would not like, if you took a coach and said, like, let me look at my best players and see how I could fit versus let me look at what other people are doing and try to copy, Berhalter's the second guy. He's like, let me look at what Klopp and Gordiel are doing and try to mix the two. Because remember, he tried to play with inverted fullbacks before Berhalter, and, like, maybe that was him saying, hey, I'm Guardiola. Now he's like, hey, I'm, like, a possession-based Klopp. It's really – it's very similar. But if you go back to – Not really. If you go back to Arsenal – and their 4-2-3-1 structure, go back and watch the Morocco and the Uruguay game, very similar to Arsenal structure, where one of the fullbacks would kind of stay home a little bit. One of the yeah, fullbacks the would go. Yeah, the U.S. definitely changed. Yeah, and this might – I think it might have just been like, hey, we got this in our back pocket if we need it. And I think it changed because Musa, because it's helping Musa. I think Musa is like taking a next step. And before we really kind of get into the U.S., but let's just go into it right now, I guess. Um it was Musa and Tyler Adams is that Jaka and Partey, but they're actually pretty good with the ball. Adams not so much, but he was good against Uruguay. But Musa, like if he can get on the ball and those two be double pivots, then like that might be easier for Pulisic to try and to try and get on the ball, that kind of thing. 
So it's like the ball goes to like a Musa and maybe that outside back starts getting high. And then mm-hmm. you create the, the three and then the two and the two as in the Musa and the Adams. Yeah. I definitely know what you're saying because we talked about this like five times in the past. Like, <laughs> I feel like I never days. stopped talking about it. I just, like, <laughs> but like, I hope the listeners understand like, yeah, I, if we had a tactics board, I would show you, but I mean, I, I feel like we've talked about it enough. I, I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself a bunch, but. No, we came to the conclusion that what the U.S. are doing to get their fullbacks higher up the field, which mm-hmm. when it comes time for the World Cup, we're going to have two very attacking fullbacks. Robinson and Dest? Yeah. And me? So we – yeah, you'll probably come off the bench. Like, right. you're, you're like Tim Ream, you know, kind of like – you fit that Tim Ream role. Okay. Like a Gabrielle type. Like Tim Ream's our Gabrielle, dude. Mm. John Brooks? Now you lost my train of thought. I mean, we we're talking about the U.S. and the four-two-three-one. Oh, what we were saying is to get the, the outside back. backs like yeah. very high. You got the two defensive mids. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one shuffle. They shuffle to one side so they can build up on this side. Yeah. The, the weak side defensive mid comes to the middle. Yeah. You know? Just protecting the back line. Yeah. While say they're building down. Say we're want to build down the left. Mm-hmm. Robinson gets gets high. Musa might check into that space right to the left of our left center back. Yeah. Right? Because that's where you can get on and the ball. And then Adams can 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 come in. And, and be that and, pivot. Yeah, be the pivot. Yeah. And, dude, Adams is, Adams is good, bro. No, all right. I, dude, no, when, he, he when, had a couple good games. He's when, not when that good. When does the ball to go to Adams? Oh, man, dude, I hope Adams. Like, kind of a, You know, a like, sometimes the ball goes to Pulisic, and you're like, uh, he, he could probably lose it here. And, and he does like half the time lose it. Yeah, but also but Adams, mean, like I, I want to see his like uh, pass percentage against Uruguay. His, it was pretty good, but for the most part, I don't dude, think he's, he's, he's very good at just like he takes the ball from the defense and gives it to the midfield. Dude, he gives I it to the know. attack. I don't know, but anyway, I think it does let when Moose is starting deep. Big, big Adams guy. Uh, I've turned into in this past That's week. brutal. That's brutal, man. I'm not a big Adams guy. I feel uh, I feel bad that I'm not. But uh, sorry, calcium money ball. <laughs> no, no, dude, not that guy. Uh, but I, I think it's I don't think it's something that we're definitely gonna deploy at the World Cup, but like could be. And maybe it gives Weston McKinney or Brandon Aronson freedom to like go find the ball in other pockets, right? Especially if like if you started a Reggie Cannon at right back and not a Dest, then that lets Tim Weah stay all the way wide and Reggie Cannon uh, stays home. And it lets like a guy like Aronson go hunt the ball and, and try to press when he has the three center backs, two defensive mids behind him. So Musa played a very good game against, I think it was Uruguay. He played a very good game. Yeah. So after watching the Morocco game, uh, the player's name is Adel Tarat, I think it was yeah. his name. When he first got to QPR, their head coach uh, said that he liked to put too many skills. Mm-hmm. So they told him that he can't touch in training or maybe even the games. He can't touch the ball in their defensive half. He can only touch the ball in the attacking half of the field so he because he would come back too deep yeah, and he- try and get the ball and, and do too much, <laughs> which that's what I thought Musa was doing too much. Like I thought, I thought in order for us to be better, mm-hmm. we needed Musa farther up the field. Yeah, but I, I think, think I think Moose is doing doing better now in that deeper role. Yeah, but I don't know. I just wanted I wanted to see more from Musa uh, on like the attacking side, but maybe that's not his best. Like maybe he just rose to your challenge. Attacking bro. is not like his best like attribute. No, I don't he, think it is. He, yeah, he only had one goal the whole season for Valencia. Yeah, one goal, no assist, one goal, and that's why kind of crazy. It's also okay. He might not turn out to be like world-class or whatever, but goes back to my kind of development philosophy is like, he's a, a right winger, but it might take Valencia. He's coming from the, he might come from the Valencia Academy and be a great right winger. He might start playing the pro game and realize he needs those touches in the midfield to be effective and not on the right wing. But when you develop players that are skillful on the ball and like can, can hold the ball at their feet, if, if needed, then it gives you the flexibility to, to kind of plug and play and play those players everywhere. And you'd rather have that guy than someone that's afraid of the ball. So like, yeah, he might've like all players when they're growing up should be able to play attack and play out wide and play this. And you know what I mean? 
Uh, I just think it's a good kind of like and this example. is a good example of being able to play it. Yeah. But before, since we're just talking about all kinds of things here, bringing up Musa, and I don't know when he got to Spain. I'm not sure how um, how lit, like recent he was in England because he's part English too. Um, I just got to say, like, I watch a lot of England English football. Like the the English FA puts out a lot of like videos about youth soccer and that kind of stuff. And the, every video they have a, a few good coaches on. Every, anytime they're talking to young players, it's all about being skillful. They put out an article about futsal, be skillful futsal players. Put out an article about like seven-year-olds. They got to be skillful with the ball. It's about them and the ball. It's about being skillful. And That's they why just, they don't have any good center backs. Yeah, no, come kidding. on. I'm just messing around. Well, I guess they don't really have any good center backs. I'm just joking. But everybody there is skillful. And you look at this next crop of really good English players. To me, it I'd have to go back and look and like really do some research. But maybe it started after like the 2010 World Cup where they weren't that good. Uh, were they good in 14? No, they, yeah, in, in 14, they weren't good either. They lost in the Costa Rica's group, right? Yeah, so yeah. if all you're doing is developing skillful players, that's when you get these Jude Bellinghams and the, the Declan Rices and the, uh, the Sakas and uh, Mason Mount, right? They're not defined positions. Saka's not a winger. He's a wide player. Like, he's a wide, creative attacking player. Mason Mount isn't a 10 or a winger. He's a attacking half space, can find the gaps kind of guy. Declan Rice isn't just a six or a pivot. He can play the ball and, and progress into space. So, like, I, I think that's really cool. And then Moose is, like, a similar guy. He, he's a right winger, but he's our deep-lying center midfield playmaker, breaks lines with dribbling kind of guy. So, like, like why would you not want that? And to me, it goes back to, like, everything, everybody's talking about skillful. No one's saying, oh, he's a good player. It's, oh, he's a skillful player. Like, oh, you, you compliment a guy? It's not, hey, great play. It's, hey, great skill. That's why he knows he he knows the skill is what's doing it, not the fact that he's big and strong or can boot it or whatever. Yeah. So we also appreciate skillful players. Yeah. Like now, the skillful player might not always be successful. People in different countries might appreciate just good, strong players. (laughs) Some big Russian, the big Russian uh, center forward. We appreciate English players right now because they're skillful and they're fun to watch. Yeah. But people in like. I don't know. You Russia. Yeah, like Russia had that big number nine. He's like six foot seven. Yeah, they're probably like Zuba. Yeah, yeah he's kicking the ball. He's so good. Find his head. But yeah, we're, we appreciate the skillful players. I'm sure we're missing a few, but like a Reese James, like he's playing right, right wing back, could play center back, could play kind of anywhere. Trent Alexander Arnold should be a center mid. He's skillful, right? He's got a skill. Uh, so I was kind of like, it's interesting how we're, we're, we're linking all this together. We're looking at Liverpool's data. Talking about Arsenal's 4-2-3-1, the U.S. national team, Yunus Musa, relating it back to youth soccer. But where else are you going to get that? <laughs> You're not getting on any other soccer. Football with Grant Wall is not talking about no, this stuff. No, no. Yeah? Or, orange, uh, orange slices. No. No. In soccer, we trust is not talking about that. Yeah. As much as I love the guy. No, no, uh, the, the state no disrespect of, to Jimmy Conrad. No, what about no. um, Lawless? What's the state, state of the union? Like, they're, they're not talking about this. <laughs> They're not giving. They're not giving you your vitamins. This stuff is your vitamins. Um, now that I've I've ranted about a bunch of different stuff, uh, the only other team I had left here was Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> like no, it's not a joke, but uh, just kind of funny. Speaking of speaking that. of Tottenham, real quick, uh, the ten year old boys team that I coach, they're just named the Spurs, like because there's a bunch of teams at the club like named after pro teams. So, like, it's funny that, like, some of the players are, like, big Spurs fans. And, like, most of the parents didn't know that it was a soccer team. They thought it was, like, a spur, like, San Antonio Spurs. Let me find Tottenham's heat map. <laughs> so, right, Antonio Conte comes in, and he plays his – he's, you know, pretty much known for his, like, 3-5-2, 3-4-3. What they play is three center backs, two wing backs, two pivot center midfield anchors – and then like a fluid front three, right? So if it's Son, Kulisevsky when they got him, and Harry Kane, it's a lot of Harry Kane checking back for the ball. It's a lot of Son and Kulisevsky getting forward and making those runs. But it could be any of the three checking back. And you really see it in this heat map here where Kane's got a good passing value. There's a lot of passes going into the right winger. 
And the center backs swing the ball all the time. It's center back to center back, the defensive mid to center back to center back. To I think that's mid. just what three back does. It does. Like, like it gives in, you really, build up. This is like the widest team we see, really. Like they're wider than City, wider than Liverpool. It's actually kind of cool. Also to see helps I like it. Ben Davies play usually is a traditional like left back. Yeah. Playing in that left center back role. Mm-hmm. He tends to find himself more wide than, yeah. than a normal center back. I found myself really, really liking Spurs towards the end of the season as well. Like Spurs and Arsenal were very interesting I'm to watch. Conte's men, dude. Conte's men, you know, Conte, Conte ball was something. Now I'm not a, as big of a fan of like a three-five-two. I I like the three-four-three better, but I think it, it fits Harry Kane because, like, theoretically, you're swinging the ball, you get it out to like, um, like a Romero. Or uh, like a Davison Sanchez or whoever's playing like right center back, mm-hmm. and like right. they f- they find like a, a split pass like a Harry Kane checking in, who could kind of play like as a attacking midfielder almost because he checks so far back, and he just flicks one around the corner to like Son or Kulisevsky running in behind, and you're out of pressure. But the center backs are so good on the ball that they could absorb that pressure. Teams were teams were trying to press Tottenham high, and like they they would punish them for it. But like if you sat in a low block, I think Tottenham would also like. Kind of just take your space, take yeah. space. Another thing with this is the two center mids, how how close they are. They're close, man. They're like you got to be together because think about it. Maybe all, they do do that thing that like where they they say to each other before the game, eh, whatever side we end up on, yeah. it doesn't matter. Maybe, they, maybe they're not like I'm left, you're right. Yeah, I love Hoybier. Hoybier. So you say it. Yeah, I get. I get criticized for pronouncing somebody <laughs> wrong every podcast as well. I got criticized. I got grilled for saying uh, instead of ball on door, ball on d'or. <laughs> he said it was like a French meal or something like soup de jour, ball on d'or. You said uh, Upmacano once, <laughs> Upper Campo. Upper Campo. Yeah, I'm not great with the pronunciation, but Javier, he's that's my boy. And really, because think, who's the outlet? You get it to a defensive mid. He could always go back to the center back and then just keep swinging it around until you find these wingbacks. And it's also interesting, the wingbacks aren't necessarily good players like i don't think they have a whole lot of quality at wingback this year but they were useful players because yeah. they took up good spots and they and just dude, signed parasage got parasage yeah whether he plays on the left or the right we'll see but mm-hmm. dude that's that's a good sign yeah he's got man's got quality class sign. uh so that's all i had for this i last thing i wanted to say with like some of these tactical trends do you want to go back and talk a little bit about formations when you're growing up I feel like it's only fitting we talk about talk about it okay. now, right? So when you're growing up, the, the first formation I ever knew was a four four two. I rolled up to practice, and one of the one of the guys was like, "Yeah, you're playing left center mid." I was like, "What the heck is left center mid?" <laughs> like I thought there was just like center mid, a left mid, and a right mid, you know. But it was a four four two, not like a flat four four two. It wasn't like Sir Alex Ferguson's four four two. It was like. Two forwards, I don't, they didn't have any direction, but like a stopper sweeper. Everybody played with a stopper sweeper. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the trends now, if we're talking about Tottenham and they're playing like three in the back with like a a double pivot or take like, um, like a RB Leipzig and they'll play like a Kevin Campbell. They'll play three in the back and like a Kevin Campbell in front as like a single pivot sometimes. Isn't that just kind of a stopper sweeper? Because theoretically, when you're playing an old school 4-4-2 with a stopper sweeper, your fullbacks aren't getting up the field. But people started talking about wanting their fullbacks to get up the field when Barcelona started asking their fullbacks to get up the field. When it was Danny Alves or, uh, like, um, Eric Abidal or, like, with Real Madrid, like a Roberto Carlos kind of thing. And so then it became, oh, we got to attack with our fullbacks, but then it's, uh, we don't need a stopper sweeper, we need a flat forward. So you play two center backs and, like, overlapping fullback. And now it's like, wait, we don't need overlapping fullbacks. We need that almost like a stopper sweeper structure again. Yeah. It's kind of coming that's, that's full a good circle. Point. Good point. And then from the stopper sweeper 4-4-2, you kind of went to a flat 4-4-2. And then to me, it was a 4-2-3-1. And then now the big thing is like a 4-3-3 with only a single pivot instead of a double pivot. Yeah. And then the, I, to me, it seems like there's more variety, maybe just because I'm more exposed to it. There's way more variety of like 3-4-3s and 3-5-2s now. Yeah, a ton. Um, uh, especially – in pro games not not like yeah i think i think growing up like psl or anything yeah yeah <laughs> shout out <Ed> psl 
Yeah, I think for the most part, the three in the back thing is like very much like in the pros. I still don't think it's a caught caught on. But all right, so a lot of teams are playing it now, right? Like maybe those players that are playing now or the, the coaches watching the Premier League now might see Tottenham and be like, oh, I want to try that with my youth team. This is more prevalent now. That player growing up might take that 3-4-3 three, three that Tottenham played that he grew up playing for that coach, use it when he's a coach now. Yeah. So I get they recycle about it on a podcast when he grows up or something. Yeah, that'd be crazy if he's talking about it. Especially if he has a podcast. Uh so yeah, like it all kind of goes. Um mine was uh four three three stopper sweeper, but it was like the one center mid. <laughs> it was the it was the four in the back, but the stopper at sweeper, one center mid, left mid, right mid, <laughs> striker, and like a wide winger and all yeah pretty much two <laughs> wide wingers i've seen and then around eighth grade uh my coach switched us to a 442 because he said it would help us play possession more <laughs> oh snap so, dude. yeah playing possession and then i went when i went to new club all we played was right, four, four two. two three one yeah uh i've seen uh four four two but with a stop with a deep sweeper a stopper, a defensive mid, and an attacking mid. But then it was also two forwards, but one was, like, more withdrawn. So it was, like, guys in a straight line up the middle of the field. Uh, they won't see it coming. Dude, they'll That's never they see said. it coming. Uh, so, yeah, you know, what's what's the next tactical uh, advancement? I, 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 think don't, I don't mean to get, it, get into it too deep, but in college we played some crazy formations with three mm-hmm. in the back. Yeah, like, I like think we it's, played a three, two wing backs, two defensive mids, a, a fault, literally like a false nine attacking mid and two wingers. And I played the <laughs> false attacking mid once, false nine attacking mid once. Were you good at it? I, I think we lost like four nine. You could fill footing. You just had to take up positions. You just and need to be we, able to stretch the field when you need to, but be a ball player for most of the time. And then we played a lot of the like the. F- like a, a three, four, two, one formation. We played a lot of that. Yeah. So. Which is similar to Tottenham if, if done correctly. Uh, yeah. I, th- I feel like everyone's had like a little bit, like if you play college, like you probably switch formations like three or four times at, at some point. Um, what else was I going to say? I do know, like when I was talking about the outside backs, there was also a point where I think we, we saw um, like the old school Italian defending with the, what are they called? Libero and all that stuff like that went away. And like, you see these more skillful players, like, a, like a, I mentioned, like Roberto Carlos, like he's a number 10, just playing left back. Trent Alexander Arnold is a number. I don't want to say number 10, right? Cause number 10s are dead. He's an attacking midfielder playing left back. Trent Alexander Arnold is attacking midfielder playing right back. Robertson is a winger playing left back. Like these guys aren't just fullbacks. They have skill sets of other other positions. You don't grow up playing. You don't grow up playing fullback. You mm-hmm. end up. You end up being put at fullback and end up playing good there. I don't know, man. That goes back to my Eunice Musa take, though. That you got to kind of play everywhere. You got to be skillful. Fullbacks in youth soccer are they are they skillful? Most of the time, they're not. No one's looking at a twelve year old being like, "Yeah, dude, I could see him playing fullback, fullback, fullback in the men's national team." Fullback. That dude, you'd be surprised at how many people are like, "Dude, he's definitely a good outside back." He's like, "Dude, the kid's 11. He's not an outside back. He's a player. Gotta make him skillful. Fullback." All right, that's. I feel like as soon as we end this episode, I'll have something else to say about. Okay, just to keep the randomness going, what's your yeah, starting USMNT 11? Oh, dude. All time? No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> more like right now, like, if, if you wanted to play a game, like, who would you play? Like, Reina included, like, everyone's healthy. Turner? Maybe Sean Johnson? Turner? I'm not going to say long. I'm going to go um, – I'm not going to be that guy that says Brooks either. I'm going to go Zimmerman. And Miles Robinson, he's not going to be healthy for the World Cup. He doesn't count. So, heck, I'm going Mark McKenzie, bro. Going Mark McKenzie. By the way, speaking of that, I do think, if we're talking U.S. men's national team, the three in the back with a double pivot, Reggie Cannon's been playing right center back for his team in Portugal. 
So he was kind of that right center back while Anthony Robinson would push up the field as a left winger. That is straight up. Reggie Kenny can do it. If Chris Richards hits, if he develops, that is the Chris Richards role. Like, I think Burhalter has that in his back pocket and is like, heck, dude, if Chris Richards is the guy. He'll play that. And he'll he's, play where Reggie he's such a good passer. Dude, imagine, and the Gio Reyna is so good in the half space, dude. Imagine Richards splitting the line to Gio Reyna, turning, driving, slipping one into Timo Weah. Pulisic on his front post run. Pulisic's really good at running into the box. I just scored <laughs> us a goal. <laughs> I literally just, in my mind, scored us a goal. But, uh. All right. That's I, the game plan. I love Mark McKenzie, but all right. Maybe I'll go Richards and Zimmerman. I'll go Dest. I'll go Anthony Robinson. Adams. Adams, Musa, McKinney, I guess. And then I guess I'll go Pulisic, Ferreira, Weah. But like it leaves off Aronson and Giorena, who I think are like two of our five best players. So, I don't know. But we've also seen Berhalter, like, platoon subs before. So, like, he could change the system or just use those guys as extra firepower. Okay. What are you thinking? Mine is – I agree with you with Turner. I'm yeah. up in the air with two positions. That's our um, other center back mm-hmm. and our right winger. Um, and potentially a midfielder. But I th- So, Turner, Zimmerman, Long. Long, really? Yeah. I'm typically like a I, I don't I was, shun the I was against it because those two are like just <laughs> similar. It's like they probably just like smash each other's heads <laughs> in like the lockers and <laughs> but yeah, like when you're when you're playing like imagine those two on the same team in training. It's like, dude, you're in for a rough day. You're just gonna get beat up. In training, they're probably like, all right, Walker, you're on this team, yeah. long, you're on that. They're team. the first two to go to different yeah. teams. They're the captains, yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, when when you uh, they did good against good opponents, did well, did well. Yeah, so like I don't know, I, I did like what I saw from uh CCV. Nah, dude, uh, in the um the mud game, not it, chief. He, he did do well. In the, you didn't okay. like him, okay? He didn't just like he didn't show him. Not saying he, he won't, I just wouldn't put him there now, but go ahead. Okay, but this can also change in like a month or something. Okay. So Long, Zimmerman, Robinson, Dest, MMA. Musa, McKinney, and Adams? Yeah. In Musa as the Liverpool-type midfield or the double-pivot Adams-Musa? These are the questions we try to answer, not the not the basic stuff that you hear on like the pregame shows. If I could, if I had the tactics board, I would show you. It would be the the single pivot, but Musa, like if there was the heat map thing, mm-hmm. he would be like d- deeper, closer to Adams. Like they would be like close. Such but, a like, cop out answer, dude. No, no, but McKenny, <laughs> McKenny's getting up in the. Getting up, like he's he's like getting in the box. Like I, he they're not similar at all. But McKenny's like like the Maron Fellaini, like bro, d- dudes like the anti dudes like a yeah. They literally call Fellaini the anti ten. He's like yeah. all these skillful players, skillful players for Belgium, like De Bruyne and like Prime Hazard, and like it's just like <laughs> Fellaini down a goal, something. But it's exactly what I said. When one when one of those attacking fullbacks goes up, one of those two, Musa or Adams, mm-hmm. um. Drops in, you know, helps on that side. And then uh, Pulisic, Ferreira, and Reina. I think Way is one of those players that you can bring off the bench. Mm-hmm. And, like, he can make, like, an instant impact. Maybe. Aronson can start on different occasions depending yeah. on how the game is. And mm-hmm. then uh, like I'm a huge Luca Della Torre guy. Yes. Yeah, he's, he he, he's great. But he's not. He's There's not some people that are like, dude, Della Torre is so good on the ball. He should play for Adams or, like, as a pivot. It's like, I don't. No, if I would trust him as like a single pivot, Tyler Adams, but he could definitely play in like the double pivot, either as the Musa role or the Adams role in the double pivot. But I don't see him breaking into that midfield. But I think he's booked a trip to Qatar. He, he's going to Doha. Yeah, I think he already got his ticket. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he's fin- he's he's buying some uh, some sunscreen. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and like I'm I'm with you where. I want to start Rain and I want to start Aronson because they they literally are two of our best five players. Like if you're starting a five aside team, I'd put them 
they're more locks for my US five aside team than they are in my starting 11. But it's just the other groups have been playing together longer and it's hard to displace them. We're, we're going to need all of them. So it, it takes an army. <laughs> but uh, anything else in the US? Like I, I put it on the agenda here to recap the last window, but honestly, we, we kind of did. When I, I think one of our funny jokes that we think is funny, it's not funny. So, like, Paul Ariola gets a red card in the last <laughs> Nations League game, which is funny in itself because Paul Ariola, but like, it's funny that you know, so he's out for the next Nations League game, which is after the World Cup. So, uh, at least he gets to rest the World Cup, you know, rest up for the, for the Nations League. No. <laughs> no, no, we have to play him in the World Cup yeah. <laughs> so that. We get the most out of him because he has to rest. We don't have to play him. We get to play him. We, yeah, we get to play him in the World Cup because he can't play in the Nations yeah, League. We're, we're trying to but make the most. Somebody like Christian Pulisic, you got to rest him the whole World Cup to make sure he's ready for the Nations League. Yeah. At this point, like, we qualify for the World Cup. Yeah, I, I'm cool with just going out and winning the Nations League. Yeah, let's just, let's just keep defending our title. Um, another cool thing, Costa Rica made, made the World Cup again. Um, I, I'll root for any CONCACAF country except for Mexico, really, in the World Cup. Um, Jeez. but like I said, we've been on here before Chad criticized my player evaluation and I've been high on Joel Campbell since before the 2014 world cup, he broke out in the 2014 world cup, ended up not really working out with Arsenal, went to, uh, yeah, he really broke out. Then didn't work out at Arsenal, but he yeah, really dude, he had like four goals in the world cup and got out of the group of death, which is absurd for Costa Rica made it to the quarters. And, uh, he went. Where did he go? Somewhere in Greece, I think. Did he go to Olympiacos? I think so. Spent time there. Um, now he's back. He's playing in Mexico now. But he scored the game winner for Costa Rica, like, to get them to the World Cup. And, like, he was one of my guys. And it's funny because we were having the discussion, like, like, last week about, like, guys that I go out on limb and say, like, this is my guy. He's going to be good. And, like, you're like, dude, it never works out. And, like, they almost always work out. You only hear about him when they work out. Dude, it definitely worked out. I mean, like, he's scored in the World Cup, scored to get him in the World Cup. So, um, what else do you want to talk about? What did you think of the MLS-Apple TV deal? Not sure, to be honest. Like, I don't want to have to buy something else. Like, I already have – we have ESPN+. Plus. I'm not getting rid of it either because I want USL and all that stuff. But we have Paramount+. Plus. We have – like cable TV, we have all of these things, but now we got to buy Apple TV. I don't That's know. what sucks about yeah, it. I don't know how to work like smart TV. I, I don't know what an Apple TV is. Like, do you sound real old? Right dude, I'll write you. I'll write you a memo. <laughs> like, I don't. I really don't know what it is. But apparently, the when you buy the unit, like the Apple TV Plus or whatever is free, but then you have to buy the MLS app. But I was listening to other podcasts, and I think it's a good. We don't have to get in like too big of details, but I think it's a good thing. MLS can control the media they have. Like you go on that MLS app and there could be whip around shows. There could be like, you could just pump out media all day. Yeah. And they do do a good job with like YouTube videos, podcasts, like their, their website always has like fresh articles on it and stuff. So like they could really like create more storylines within the league. And like the league is going to be so big that like you can't watch all the games, but it could be similar to the premier league where like turn on the pregame show and you just, storylines yeah uh, me and my friend were talking about this they now have uh time blocks so like how the premier league has time blocks like 10 o'clock on saturday oh, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know that type of thing they'll have time blocks for um i i like MLS, that which which i like and then they can start to create like yeah like better like videos like you said you can't watch every game but you can Watch like a recap show. Something. Yeah, you can watch like a recap of all the games or something. Like you can go back and watch an A and point, which that's how media is turning yeah, into. Maybe you you play on the betting thing. You have betting shows. And you have fantasy shows, and you have whip around coverage shows. The the time blocks things like okay, it'd be cool. If, you know that El the El Trafico is that is at the, the Saturday ten o'clock block, right? Because now the games are at weird times. But I don't like the fact that it's going to be pretty much Wednesdays and Saturday nights. Because like there still needs to be those Sunday games. Not saying they have to be day games. Oh, there's but no Sundays. I think there's very few, if any. It's mostly Wednesdays and then You're Saturdays. You're the same person that complains when there's a Sunday game when NFL's on. Yeah, hey, I, I like Sundays in the spring and the summer, 
not not when NFL's on, but now we'll have the World Cup when the when the NFL's on. So this starts in 2023. But heck, dude, they're making a lot of money. The teams are gonna get a lot of money from it. Apple's probably gonna lose money from this deal. And when Messi comes, maybe in 2023 at some point, like you're gonna have people buying this MLS app just for Messi, just in Argentina or just in Barcelona. Yeah, sure. Like you're That's gonna be buying point. this whole thing just for Messi to watch Inter Miami. Yeah. And you know, maybe you get some more people hooked on the league. I really think like they could That's a play. great thought. That's probably the best thought you had all night. My man. Dude, I had some good thoughts tonight too, to be honest. Um you're some marketing genius. I am. But like, okay, then you if you really could play on the inner Miami thing and really suck in some people in Barcelona that want to keep tabs on Messi. Now you got people in Barcelona that might happen to keep watching inner Miami when Messi leaves. I don't know. Or like you might get them into the storylines of the league. Maybe Messi has like a villain. Like maybe Walker Zimmerman just crunches him. And like, then there's like this Messi versus Walker Zimmerman like that, or more like Aaron Long, I guess. And like, I don't know that there's a better chance for storylines than whatever the heck is going on right now. Chiellini. No, he's like, yeah, Chiellini with LAFC. You're right. You're right. Chiellini versus Messi. <laughs> um, that, that's all I had for you. I mean, one. I had some data things. Some data things. Remember, I was telling you before the podcast. Okay. Do you want to talk about them? If not, we're going. Should we do another? Another. So this was mostly formation based. Ended up being formation based. Do you want to do a whole separate one of actual data? Sure. (laughs) Does that work? Like, does it? Yeah, I don't care. Are are your data points like that data y, or are they more formation based? Just it's basically just comparing players and. Okay, then that could be a separate one. Something else, another time. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about the World Cup cities real quick? Oh, yeah. Can you pull that up? Yeah. I, th- I think I know I'm on top of my head, but. Oh, snap, dude. This guy loves the World Cup. In I watched the whole coverage. You said it was going to be 5 to 5.30. <laughs> I, ended up, I ended up finding out I was in Philly at 6 o'clock. Yeah, they probably threw in every uh, every commercial break they could. But, I mean, not a ton of surprises. Um you got the cities? Um, so. so, like, in the East region, Atlanta gets it. Obviously, yeah. they're a yeah. big stadium. Miami gets it. I didn't realize CONCACAF is headquartered in Miami. Yeah. Um, huge, just, like, melting pot of cultures. Philly gets uh, – New York, New Jersey. What surprised me was Boston because their stadium is – out in the middle of nowhere. It's like an hour away from Boston, but the city has a lot of like the city can host people, host events, mm-hmm. but it's just weird. And that's what goes into it. Kind of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the DC and Baltimore had a combined bid because Baltimore stadium's better, but like the big party and stuff was going to be in DC. I think that kind of got gypped because dude, Boston's kind of sucks. Cause like the capital of the country doesn't even. Yeah. And like, dude, you could do like a real play on like the high end, like, I feel like there's a lot of big shots in Washington, D.C. Like, a lot of high-end, high-money. Like, um, what's the next region? The central is Kansas City. Okay. Like, like kind of like an overrated soccer city to me. I feel like they when, do say it's a big soccer city. Dude, like, when Sporting KC was popping, like, I get it. But, like, what else are they? I get it's a big region, but. You got to have them out in, like. But, like, what other, like, semi-pro teams are out there? What pro players come through? The only other like relevant soccer news is like probably the second best podcast other than this one. So um, coaching inside the box and these dudes run like a Kansas city legends, like soccer club. They talk about coaching and stuff. That's the only other thing that comes out of Kansas city. And Arrowhead's not that nice of a stadium. It's just straight up like old school football. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Dallas. Obviously. Uh, We said Atlanta. But they, I guess they put them in the central. There's no way they're in the central. <laughs> Houston, huge city. Monterey and Mexico City. There's Monterey, Mexico City, and Guadalajara. Are yeah. the three from uh, Mexico. I think they were the only three they had put up for bid, too. And three were put up for bid for Canada, but only two got them. Edmonton didn't get it, but Vancouver and Toronto did. But Edmonton was trying hard to get it. Yeah, or they so. dropped uh yeah i did hear toronto the only like real outdoor stadium to have is toronto fc's yeah which i think now they they just redid it like a few years ago 
but so they have 20, it was smaller. They now have 25,000 seats, but they're going to try and redo it. They're going to redo it again. By the time this world cup comes around, they're going to add 40,000. So, or they're not going to add more. It's going to have 40,000. I know Nashville was one of the ones that was snubbed. Yeah. And actually they have like an old beat up like Nissan stadium where the Titans play, but they were talking about building the Titans, a new arena. And that's where the world cup was going to be, but there's been delays getting the plans out and they haven't started construction. So like, I wonder Nashville was probably going to get it, but they didn't have, you know, they didn't have all their ducks in a row. Yeah. Maybe that would have knocked Kansas city out. Maybe. I think Nashville's in the East region though. So I don't know. Um, I'll take him. Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, LA, and then, like I said, Guadalajara. Yeah. It's funny because, like, Bleacher Report football posted, like, different players playing in the cities. <laughs> and, like, like obviously, like, there's Messi, and then it's, like, the Miami skyline. I don't think and, Messi's going to be playing in the 26 World Cup, though. It, they were just doing it. Yeah. Like, Bruno Fernandez was in um, – <laughs> Was in uh, San Francisco. Chiesa was was in Dallas. Like, in like what? That's football. That's prime football right there. Yeah, um, dude, this is a top quality episode. I think. Like, if you just enjoy soccer, Thanks. enjoy soccer talk, like you just could enjoy listening to this. Um, so question. we definitely have a data and player comparison episode coming up with Chad. We also got some big things coming up. Like what? Like big, big. What do you mean? Like a like apparel big. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Keep you on the hook. We'll sponsor somebody or uh, Instagram something. Yeah. Um, I do have another scarf to hang up. Uh, I'll I'll put it on, on the Instagram. My boy Scott Dorman sent me a union scarf. Blacked out union scarf. Don't know why it's all black, but he sent it to me, so... We got to send him some stuff, but I'll, I'll hang it up in the uh, in the stew here. Um, is that it? Anything else? That's it, man. All right. I really hope this pod, this episode recording. <laughs> we just talked. Oh man! All right, we good? Yeah, gotta go watch the end of that finals game. So that's episode thirty-eight. Uh, all right, we'll see. All right, see you, bro. <laughs>